0: Welcome to the Global River Church Discipleship Teaching of the Week. We hope you enjoy today's message. For more information about this podcast and
1: other resources, visit globalriver.org. Well, let's welcome Mary Esther. Mary Esther has a, has a unique relationship with the Lord. It's very pure. It's very sweet, and, and you can just feel it. And so she's going to lead us into a place... Equip us more. So, thank you, Lord.
0: Thank you. Hello, everyone. So, my name is Mary Esther Burcham, and I would just like to start with a prayer. So, Lord, I just um, I thank you for your presence. We thank you for your love. We thank you for Jesus, for Holy Spirit, and I just thank you for your grace. You say your grace is all I need that in my weakness, you you make me strong. So I just come to you humbly, and I just thank you for speaking through me, and that I will say only what you want me to say, but everything that you do want me to say. In Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> and then, I actually got inspired at our handmaiden m- meeting this Monday. We had so much fun. We were laughing, and we sang, and we just had the most wonderful time. But uh, one of the things we were studying about was the prayer from Ephesians. So I kind of just put together a prayer for tonight from Ephesians 1 that I wanted to pray for everyone. So I pray that God may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened to know and understand the confident hope he has given to those he has called and the riches of his glorious inheritance and his incomparably great power for us who believe this is the same mighty power that raised christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honor at god's right hand in the heavenly realms and now christ is exalted as first above every ruler authority government and realm of power in existence. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. So it's for the benefit of the church, and the church is his body, and it is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. So church is ecclesia, it's a summoned people called to assemble a legislative body, and it's also a word used in Greek culture to assemble an army. In the Passion Bible, in 1 Corinthians 1-9, God has invited you to co-share the life of His Son, Jesus, the Anointed One, our King, which means a life of communion with His Son. That is a co-participation, communion, and fellowship of the Son. The Aramaic can be translated, you have been called to the wedding feast of His Son. We see a clear picture here that believers are called to share the Sonship of Jesus. By God's grace, we will share in the Son's standing and position before the Father. We are not only blameless, but made holy by the co-sharing of the life of God's Son. In the Passion Bible, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, it says, Now, we have been stamped with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. He is given to us like an engagement ring is given to a bride. As the first installment of what's coming, he is our hope promise of a future inheritance which seals us until we have all of redemption's promises and experience complete freedom for all the supreme glory and honor of God. So, a couple of years ago, Marion Hauser gave me this book, Bible Study for the Preparation of the Bride, and I've been just diving into it passionately and it's really been transforming my life, and it's been amazing and um, for just the whole theme, I guess of what would it be like to be the Bride of Christ just in a day to day basis has been a subject of great interest. To me ever since i was saved um about a year into being saved i had an experience with the lord i was actually here laying on the floor and i was crying it was during a time of worship and i was going through a really hard time but jesus came up to me and he asked me to marry him and i said yes and i believe that i left my body and went up to heaven with him and married him in front of the angels and the father was there. I didn't see his face, but he was there. So it was so real to me. And it's just, I lived it out in my life from, from very early on and, uh, just in a practical sense day to day. And I just really, it's been my heart's desire just to be the bride day to day, wherever I'm at. So, um, I was reading ahead in the Bible study, and I got to a study number 26, and it's called A Testimony in the Dance of Victory, the Dance of Mahanaim, and I was like, oh, wow, that's so cool. It's about warfare and worship and a bride and dancing. I'm like, that's all my favorite things, <laughs> so I was like, and I felt like the Lord said, I want you to share what I'm giving with you. I want you to share it with other people. Um, So some of the other things that I'm going to be, some of the other books that I'm going to be sharing from are Arise Warrior Princess by Lisa M. Prysock, The Sword and the Tambourine by Hannah E. Farwell, "Dance God's Holy Purpose by Dr. Ann Stevenson, and some others which I'll name as I bring them up. But um, everything else is, well, all of it is, the foundation is the Word of God, the Bible. Everything has to line up with the Bible to me, or it's not in my belief system. And uh, the other things is just spending time with the Lord and what He's told me. And everything that I'm speaking of, I have actually experienced in my life, put it into practice. It's not just a theory like, well, I hope it's true, but I know that it is because I've lived it out. <laughs> so, in Song of Songs from the Passion Bible, chapter six, verse thirteen, the um, and whenever I say the word beloved, I'm talking about with some translations say Shulamite or they say maiden or they say the bride, but I'm going to say beloved so that everyone can relate to that. And, um, when I say beloved too, I don't mean just any person that has like maybe gone to church or says they're a Christian, but this is a person whose heart is truly seeking the Lord actively and, um, in a true salvation relationship with the lord and that's what i mean when i say the beloved so in song of songs it says the the friends say come back return to us o maiden of his majesty dance for us as we gaze upon your beauty and the bride says why would you seek a mere shulamite like me why would you want to see my dance of love And the bridegroom King Jesus says, because you danced so gracefully as though you danced with angels. And in the notes it says, this is literally the dance of Mahanaim or the dance of two armies. When Jacob returned to the promised land, he entered at Mahanaim, the place where two camps of angels gathered. And it's from Genesis 1 through two. And then this is from the bride book. And find the right marking for it. Okay. And it's talking about that verse come back that we may gaze upon you. So this request is prompted by the Holy Spirit of God, and it's a call for the beloved, the true person of peace those who are in inseparable union and identity with him to come forth in these last days so that others who wish to know the Lord might look upon her, observe her life and ways, and learn the secret of her knowledge of the Lord. And when I read that, I felt like the Lord was saying that's my call, that um, to be able to just be vulnerable, to allow someone to gaze upon me, upon my life, and which is hard for me to do <laughs> because I'd rather be sitting down there and not be the person up here or even dancing, even though I've done it for a while. It's still there's it's very humbling and vulnerable, but I feel like this is what the Lord's called me to do, so I'll say yes to Him. But it's also everyone's call in the sense that, uh, like um, the king called Vashti to come forth and to show her crown, and she refused, so the crown was given to Esther because <clears throat> the Lord wants the world to see his bride, uh, not just somebody that's uh, not really a Christian but says that they're a Christian are not giving a good witness, but he wants his people, his beloved, to be seen in the world and to see their peace and their love, and that it's real. And um, so that's why it's really important that we have a victorious life so that people that look on our life will want to have what we have. So in Song of Songs, when the people observe the bride, they're saying they see her as a place that God encamps. That's what Mahanim means and uh, also when i use the word dance it can be an actual physical dance or it could be symbolic of your relationship with the lord if you think of dancing and you're in unison and you're gazing at each other and jesus is leading you so it can be on that level as well but also Dance, there's a ministry of dance where, like spirit and truth, we dance, minister to the Lord and to people. But then there's also from Psalm 149, let them praise him with the dance. And that's everybody. So God wants everybody to dance as well. So I think of it as like um, I'm not called to be an evangelist, but God has used me to pray with people and lead them in the prayer of salvation. I'm not a healer, but God has used me to pray for people, and they've been miraculously healed. Um, I'm not a singer like Andrea, but I've had an experience one time. I was sitting on my back deck, and I was singing um, the song, Come on, blow on through, we're waiting for you. And every time I would sing the blow on through part, The wind would blow through the trees, and it it happened every time I would sing that part. So I felt like the Lord was saying to me that your voice has power. Even though you don't think of yourself as a singer, it's still because it's coming from me. And I'm not a painter, but I painted this um, one time. I got a deliverance from the Lord and was given freedom, and he gave me this vision to paint that. And I did have it in my living room for a while and a young woman came to my house one time. We were sitting on the couch talking and she looked at the painting and, oh, I really like that. And I told her just a little bit about what happened with me and she is just like heaven just opened up and she started crying and sharing with me and I was able to pray for her, do like a little mini prayer ministry with her and she got delivered. So God can use anything. And so you can be over here dancing. You could be in the back. You could be at your seat. It could be as simple as just clapping your hands or stomping your feet or kneeling. Um, And nobody has to actually see you for a prophetic act to have the effect that God wants it to have in the spiritual realm. So nobody is left out because everybody can do this. So, throughout scripture, dance is strongly linked to freedom, life, salvation, restoration, and victory over the enemy. The first reference to dance in the Bible was when Miriam led the people with, she picked up her timbrel and led the people in a dance of victory after God safely delivered them across the Red Sea. And the last reference to dance is the return of the prodigal son. So, the joy and the, and, uh, Reunion, the joy of his reunion and repentance is appropriately expressed by music, celebration, and dancing in the Father's house. In Jeremiah chapter 31 and 30, the message of God's freedom, life, salvation, restoration, and victory over the enemy are clearly and boldly proclaimed throughout it. So there's no coincidence that dance is strongly linked in these Scriptures because God has used it as a type and a symbol of victory over the enemy and praise and thanksgiving. So salvation, the breaking of yokes, the tearing off of bondages, freedom from slavery, victory over the enemy, as well as healing, restoration, and the rebuilding of ruins are all um, appropriately connected with tambourine, shouts of joy, dancing, and music. In um, Bill Johnson's book, Hosting the Presence, he says anyone can get happy after the miracle has come. Show me someone who celebrates before the answer and I'll show you someone who's about to experience the answer. (laughs) So, I've personally witnessed through the demonstration of the dance Um, people being saved, healed emotionally, physically, mentally, and being delivered. Um, So we learn it from Psalm 149 that dance not only um, sets the captives free, but it also binds up the enemy with chains and fetters of iron. So dance was created by God. The enemy has tried to steal it, um, but he's... The enemy, Satan, is not a creator. He's just a copycat. So God created dance to be a functioning powerful tool of communication in the kingdom of God for his glory. So dance is a two-edged sword in the hands of a believer to impart and administer God's word with the power to heal the afflicted and to set the captives free. So the direct connection between victory and our feet as a spiritual type is found throughout Scripture. So if you remember that the serpent, which is a type of Satan, was cursed by God with no feet to which to walk upright with, whereas we can put our foot on the necks of the enemy. So I have this handout, if Ron will hand those out to you, and it's just something that's... I've You can take home, and it's just encouraging to see the power and significance of the use of our feet as a spiritual type. Um, So you can see that even just a prophetic act of stomping your foot, marching, jumping, leaping, um, when it's combined with faith in God and worship, how powerful it can be. So, ushering in the presence of God is like, through our praise and worship, is like turning a light on in a dark room. There is no competition, because where there is light, there is no darkness. Submit yourselves to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you, James 4, 7. So, when we submit to God and his direction and his word concerning the principles of praise and worship, we're also resisting the devil and his spiritual onslaught against us by using weapons designed by God specifically for our victory and his defeat. So I wanted to look at the life of David, and he's one of my favorites. And in his life, we can see three offices And three keys in the life of a believer. So the first office is a priest. He was anointed to worship. And this is from the Passion Bible. And it's Psalm 27. And it's titled Fearless Faith. And it's David's poetic praise to God before he was anointed king. The Lord is my revelation light to guide me along the way. He's the source of my salvation to defend me every day. I fear no one. I'll never turn back and run from you, Lord. Surround and protect me. When evil ones come to destroy me, they will be the ones who turn back. My heart will not be afraid, even if an army rises to attack. I know that you are there for me, so I will not be shaken. And one of my favorite parts. Here's the one thing I crave from God, the one thing I seek above all else. I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house, finding the sweet loveliness of his face, filled with awe, delighting in the glory and grace. I want to live my life so close to him, that he takes pleasure in my every prayer in his shelter in the day of trouble. That's where you'll find me, for he hides me there in his holiness. He has smuggled me in to a secret place where I'm kept safe and secure, out of reach from all my enemies. Triumphant now, I'll bring him my offerings of praise, singing and shouting with ecstatic joy, Yes, listen, and you can hear the fanfare of my shouts of praise to the Lord. God, hear my cry. Show me your grace. Show me mercy and send the help I need. Lord, when you said to me, seek my face, my inner being responded, I'm seeking your face with all my heart. So the three keys are prayer, praise, and persistence. So key number one, prayer is not necessarily an elaborate, eloquent thing that people say in front of people, although it can be, but I think of it as um, a communion and a communication with God throughout the day, whatever you're doing, and you talk, and He listens, and He talks, and you listen. And for me, I try to um, talk only 10% of the time and listen 90% of the time, because I want to hear What he has to say and how he sees situations and just to see what he's doing. What is he doing right now? Um, So to continue in Psalm 27, verse 10, it says, My father and mother abandoned me. I'm like an orphan. But you took me in and made me yours. In the note, it says, Every child needs four things acceptance, focused attention, guidance, which I think could also be discipline because it's being guided, and protection. All four of these emotional needs are met by God, and when I read that, it reminded me of what God has shown me, it's called getting my special place filled. and. I believe that God has placed in every person's heart a desire to be seen, noticed, loved, um, for their own unique way, just as they are, and to be valued and honored and thought of as special and unique, and I believe that God put that desire in people because he wants to it and he's actually the only one that can fill it um, a <clears throat> couple of problems with that is I think some people think that's pride so they try to squelch that desire but I think it's so strong in people that if you try to squelch it you're gonna uh, feel it. your soul is going to lead you to filling it in some way so it could be some you know obviously negative things like drugs or alcohol or sex or different things like that but it can also even be good things it could be people in the church um, could be ministry could be good works it could be um, just anything that you're trying to fill it could be hobbies it could be people it could be a relationship your children um, awards grades money it could be anything and so you're going to try to fill it with something but God's the only one that can satisfy. So when you come to him and he's speaking to you and he's telling you how much he loves you and just the way you are and just what you do is just like so important and I just love it when you do that and you're just so amazing and I'm just using you so powerfully and when when it comes from Him, there's no pride in it because you just know it's all Him. So it's a, it's a good kind of satisfaction in yourself and just a happiness of being who, who He made you to be. And uh, when you have that place filled, you're not going to be offended easily or um, jealous or a lot of the things that negative chair number two type things that can happen throughout your day. Um, So, it's one of the most important things that I try to do every day, is to get that connection with the Lord. So the rest of Psalm 27 is, Now teach me all about your ways, and tell me what to do. Make it clear for me to understand, for I am surrounded by waiting enemies. Don't let them defeat me, Lord. You can't let me fall into their clutches. They keep accusing me of all things I've never done while they plot evil against me. Yet I totally trust you to rescue me one more time so that I can see once again how good you are while I'm still alive. Here's what I've learned through it all. Don't give up. Don't be impatient. Be entwined as one with the Lord. Be brave and courageous and never lose hope. Yes, keep on waiting, for he will never disappoint you. So the second key is praise, and that's a weapon. And we know that God inhabits our praises, so the enemy has to flee. And in verse 6, it says, So I will sing praises unto the Lord, praise and thanksgiving, permit us interest into the courts of our Heavenly Father and this is absolutely foundational. And the third key is persistence and I feel like it's um, highly lacking and uh, overlooked some, maybe it's not as glamorous, but uh, it's very important because I've known of so many people that start off on fire with the Lord and then things happen in their life, they get disappointed or even Good times and they get slack, but they don't persist in their relationship with the Lord. And you have to continue to seek after Him at all costs and not to lose your faith because without faith, we're nothing. Excuse me. <clears throat> so, true saving faith is being united with Christ in a covenant, like marriage, like marriage is supposed to be. And um, that's through thick and thin, good and bad, sickness and health. Everything you have is his, and everything he has is yours. And so it's um, <clears throat> an irrevocable, eternal, forever commitment. And thank you. <laughs> In Numbers 14, says, For the Amalekites and Canaanites will face you there, because you have turned away from the Lord, meaning the Israelites. He will not be with you, and you will fall by the sword. And the note under it says, Despite their shallow repentance and momentary expression of trust in God's promises, the Israelites ignored God's warning. They made the fatal mistake of believing they could possess the promised land without obedience, faith, and devoted fellowship with God. Their momentary but misguided trust, they were defeated. The crucial lesson for all who are in Christ is that the riches of God's covenant cannot be obtained without the obedience that comes from faith. Simply mouthing words of trust by itself is not adequate. This message is emphasized throughout Scripture. Um, About, I guess it was the last week in October, I was reading about monarch butterflies. And um, I've always had a, a thing about butterflies ever since, like, the first year when I got saved about the new creation, and I just love butterflies, and it's just, Ron gave me a butterfly pen, and then it just kind of started a whole butterfly thing, and, um, but I was studying about monarchs the last week in October, which was really cool, because I was, as I was reading, and on November 1st is when They migrate, and they come to Mexico, and they're all together. And so it was kind of like, oh, it's kind of like the right time to be studying about this. But it had a little map, and it showed the different routes that they would take. And one of them was they go all the way down the East Coast to Florida, and then from Florida, they cross over the Gulf of Mexico to Mexico, which I didn't know that before. I'm like, that's a long way for a little tiny butterfly. (laughs) But um, so in, in the book that I was reading, I was sitting outside on my deck, and it said, maybe courage is to take wing and stay the course. And I was like, whoa, there's something about that phrase. It's just like, wow. And so, and when I looked up, a butterfly just floated by me. And I was like, it just hit me to think of that butterfly flying across the Gulf of Mexico. And I was like, it just made me think of the words like, Brave and courageous and strong, and I was like, I've never all these years of loving butterflies, I never thought of them as brave and strong or courageous. And I felt like the Lord was showing me that I never thought of myself as that way either, and um, that He's making me brave and courageous. Um, before I was saved, um, I was consider myself weak, I was like the victim. It was so hard for me to talk that I couldn't even hardly talk, much less stand in front of people and talk, but um, the Lord was showing me that you are brave, you are courageous, and um, so it was like cool for me, but I was like, ah, something about that phrase, there's more to, it's more than just for me. And then I got actually this, so this is confirmation, right before worship started marion comes up to me and she gives me this paper this is something you gotta read and on the top it says butterfly courage <laughs> so i was like okay so now i do know this word i feel like this is a word i feel like it was for some people here but also it could be people watching online too as well um So if you feel like the word's for you as I'm speaking and praying into it, you can stand if you want to just receive it. But I feel like the Lord is saying, take wing. Like, this is something that has been on your heart, and so it's not like a new thing, but it's been there on your heart and in your mind, something that you feel like he wants you to do, but you haven't had the courage to do it. And God says, now's the time. Take wing. Get started. Spread your wings and fly. And then the other part is stay the course. Where, so that's how the persistence ties in. But, um, so stay the course. So it's going to be hard like the butterfly flying that far, but you have, just have to have that mindset. There's no turning back. There's no stopping. You just have to just keep on going. And the Lord says, you take wing and get started. I will be with you, and you will get there. So we have to be intentional about our time with God and seeking him. And the second office is we are anointed for war, a warrior. So David learned early on to protect that which was in his care, his father's sheep. So in 1 Samuel, and it was cool, because that song actually had about this. This is one of my favorites. 1 Samuel 17, 45 through 47. David replied to the Philistine, You come to me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of heaven's armies, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. Today the Lord will conquer you, and I will kill you and cut off your head. And then I will give the dead bodies of your men to the birds and wild animals, and the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel, and everyone assembled here will know that the Lord rescues his people, but not with sword and spear. This is the Lord's battle, and he will give you to us. So he did that out of his love for God. So he killed the bear and the lion out of his love for the sheep, and then he slayed the giant out of his love for God, and then eventually out of his love for the people of Israel. So you see that the warfare came from love, and so that's very important for people to understand. A lot of people are like, I don't want to do warfare and all this, but when you really love God, you're going to love what he loves, And you're going to want to stand up for him, for his name, for his word, and for his people. So warfare actually has its power, comes from love. And the third office is the king. So he was anointed to rule. So after he had been tested and proven faithful, the Lord set him as king to rule. And David never forgot that the true king of Israel was God and that he was representing his authority. So it's the same with us as the Lord expands our ruling authority in the spiritual realm after we've been tested and learned how to fight his battles and judge rightly, not according to what we see. So these three offices, priest, warrior, and king, we seem to have throughout eternity So, I see them like stair steps. The priestly function to worship is the first and crucial office that we all must step into. And the more that we merge our hearts with him in the kingdom realm, the more we prepare ourselves to recognize that we are to engage in war in its season. We are meant to take up his authority among the nations from Matthew 28:18 through 20 we have the great commission and we must seek to prove ourselves faithful to be handed this level of responsibility but it's his will and desire for us so David's a wonderful example of the progression of the believer the lord first saves us and makes us glad in him we don't start off with the sword but we dwell with our Father until we are secure in our position and learn to get our needs met in Him. Then we realize that the, ba- the battle that is armed against us and we understand that He wants us to become warriors. So He teaches us how to aim the bow and how to wield the sword and to respect it. So finally our Father deems us grown up and ready to have our own domain to rule over like Adam, we receive a sphere to rule over and care for so that Christ can have the pleasure of sharing everything with his bride. And I want to say that um, all worship is warfare just in itself, just because God's presence is there, then the enemy is going to flee. But one of the things that I really wanted to point out through this is that you can have an intentionality that you bring into worship um with intercession and so you're in his presence and you're in worship and then you have like either something in your life or a person or something that you want to pray about so it's kind of like an esther thing you go in to the king he extends his scepter and then you can. Um, intercede for that person so there's an intentionality that you can have and bring to it and when it's combined with faith and prophetic movements it can be really really powerful so <clears throat> the future that God has for us is so glorious that we can hardly fathom um, the, the depth of his love and kindness for us on such divine levels we can hardly grasp his vast plans, and it seems too great to accept. Still we do, not because we're worthy, but because it gives him joy. So, and this book is uh, Dance, Dance, Dance by Pastor Lynn Hayden, and it has actually 300 words in it, and it takes words that are in the Bible and <clears throat> from the Greek and the Hebrew, and translate to what they mean, so it's showing you what, when you're doing specific movements, stomping, kneeling, whatever, it shows what's happening in the spiritual realm while you're doing it. An example of this is the word shagag and it's, when it says feast to keep a holy day or dancing, it means it's a perfume that drives out the occupants and causes deliverance. A fire is released to God when praising him in a holy procession. The result in the spiritual realm is that when we offer praises to the Lord or when we shagag him, the enemy of our souls is utterly cut off. So you can see that it's more powerful than you would think it is. And there's a word karar, and that comes from like when David was dancing. And it's um, to dance or to whirl, leap, exalt, and run. And it means a battering ram. So it's like a battering ram in the spiritual realm. So I just wanted to give you some examples of what you're doing in the spirit. We may not even realize how significant and powerful what we're doing when you're waving a flag or something. In Song of Songs, uh, chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Your neck is as beautiful as the Tower of David jeweled with the shields of a thousand heroes so we see that in contrast to those who are disobedient in isaiah 48 4 their necks are like sinews of iron and they're obstinate and stiff-necked so the neck in scripture signifies the will so the neck of the bride represents a will and submission to the will of the lord so by describing the bride's neck as a tower suggests God as a refuge and strength against the enemy. Psalm 61 3, lead me to the towering rock of safety for you are my safe refuge, a fortress where my enemies cannot reach me. So this tower is called the Tower of David. The will of the bride is said to be a stronghold of strength against the enemy as was David. We find the secret to David's strength in Acts 1322. He is described by God as a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. <clears throat> so this tower to which the will of the bride is compared is a tower built as an armory, which is a storehouse of weapons. And Song of Songs 44, 4, we find the type of weapon is a shield. And at Ephesians 6.16, the shield is faith, and its purpose is to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. So the description of these mighty men to whom these shields belong from First Chronicles 12 is they were brave warriors, mighty men of valor, ready for battle, trained for war, able to handle shield and spear with faces of lions and swift as gazelles. So we can make the spiritual application as followed. The bride's will and the des- or the desire to do the will of God has been strengthened by the example of the faith of these mighty men of valor, and they were skilled in the tearing down of strongholds of the enemy. <clears throat> Their faces were described to be like lions. So in Scripture, we know that lions means kingly authority. Jesus himself is the Lion of Judah. So these men had the king, king's authority so much on them that when the enemy looked into their face, it was like looking at the face of Jesus. So these mighty men of God are described by Paul in Hebrews eleven thirty-two 32 through 40, as they conquered kingdoms, administered justice, performed acts of righteousness, gained what was promised, shut the mouths of lions, quenched the fury of the flames, escaped by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength, powerful in battle, put foreign enemies to flight. Women received back their dead, and they were commended for their faith and that the world was not worthy of them. In Hebrews 6:12, we are exhorted to not become lazy, but to imitate those who, through faith and patience, inherit what has been promised. In the Passion Bible, in Song of Songs 7-4, Jesus is describing the Beloved. Your life stands as tall as a tower, like a shining light on a hill. Your revelation eyes are pure like pools of refreshing, sparkling light for a multitude. Such discernment surrounds you, protecting you from the enemy's advance. So the beloved is one of great discernment. And, so, and early in the Song of Songs, the king takes her to his banqueting table. We find in First Kings that, the king's table is a table that the abundance of meat. So we know that the strong meat is the meat of the word of God. So by reading the word of God and in communion with the Lord causes our maturity to be able to discern between good and evil. So I think of this as more a meat kind of thing because it's based on the foundation that, for one, that you are saved because none of this is going to happen if, if you're not in a saving relationship with the Lord. And if you have any doubt, then now's the time to make sure that you know that you know that you know that you will spend eternity with Jesus. And then the second self, uh, second foundation is the, the baptism of Holy Spirit, which I think is absolutely crucial that you can't have a victorious life without the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And if you're wondering if you have it or not, then you probably don't because you are you will be so changed and empowered when you have the baptism of Holy Spirit. And Pastor Tom, I know, will be happy to help you um, understand that more fully, and we'll have people that can pray with you if you... seeking that so just keep seeking until you get it so the beloved's attitude about the Word of God from Psalm 119 is oh how I love and treasure the revelation of your word I take seriously everything you say I've become obedient to your word and the result of that in Psalm 119 is an edge over your enemies to have understanding, insight, and by understanding be able to hate every false way. So not only has she loved and meditated on God's Word, but she's acted on it. Thus her senses have become exercised to discern both good and evil. So the strong discernment is given to the beloved to point people toward the highway of holiness without which no man will see the Lord. So as a result of this strong discernment, what ministry has the Lord given to the beloved? And Ezekiel 44, they will teach my people the difference between what is holy and common or unclean. So what type of church is Jesus coming? From Ephesians 5, a holy and clean washed by the cleansing of God's word, a glorious church without wrinkle, spot, or blemish, holy and without fault. In the Passion Bible, <clears throat> uh, Song of Songs 5 7. Song of Songs 7 5 through 7 redeeming love crowns you as royalty your thoughts are full of life wisdom and virtue even a king is held captive by your beauty how delicious is your fair beauty it cannot be described as i count the delights you bring to me love has become the greatest you stand in victory above the rest stately and secure as you share with me your vineyard of love. Now I decree, I will ascend and arise. I will take hold of you with my power, possessing every part of my fruitful bride. And um, how is the, the bride's hair described in the New Living Translation? As majestic as Mount Carmel. Mount Carmel. And so what happened on Mount Carmel? And First Kings 18 which is one of my favorites. So I'm gonna like, just read a synopsis, I guess you could say, of what I call the showdown. Oops. So Ahab summoned all the people of Israel and the prophets to Mount Carmel. Then Elijah stood in front of them and said, how much longer will you waver, hobbling between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, then follow him. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, You go first, there's many of you. Call on the name of your God. So they prepared one of the bulls and placed it on the altar. Then they called on the name of Baal from morning till noon, shouting, O Baal, answer us. But there was no reply of any kind about noontime Elijah began mocking them you'll have to shout louder he scoffed for surely he's a god perhaps he's daydreaming or is relieving himself or maybe he's away on a trip or is asleep and needs to be wakened so they shouted louder and following their normal custom they cut themselves with knives and swords until the blood gushed out they raved all afternoon until the time of the evening sacrifice but still there was no sound, no reply, no response. Then Elijah called to the people, "'Come over here!' He took 12 stones, one to represent each of the tribes of Israel, and he used the stones to rebuild the altar in the name of the Lord. Then he dug a trench around the altar, large enough to hold about three gallons. He piled wood on the altar, cut the bull into pieces, laid the pieces on the wood. Then he said, fill four large jugs with water and pour the water over the offering in the wood. After they had done this, he said, do the same thing again. And when they were finished, he said, now do it a third time. So they did as he said, and the water ran around the altar and even filled the trench. Elijah the prophet walked up to the altar and prayed, O Lord, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, prove today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant. Prove that I have done all this at your command. O Lord, answer me. Answer me so these people will know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have brought them back to yourself. Immediately the fire of the Lord flashed down from heaven and burned up the young bull, the wood, the stones, and the dust. It even licked up all the water in the trench. And when all the people saw it, they fell face down on the ground and cried out, the Lord, he is God. Yes, the Lord is God. So it was at Carmel that Elijah's mighty prayers were heard by God and answered with fire. So having a head like Carmel Means that the bride's, the beloved's mind and heart, or their whole, whole mind and heart are for the Lord. So they're anointed with the ability, and the power to draw wayward people back to God. The crown symbolizes dominion, and it was the dominion at Carmel that the beloved possessed, having power with God and prevailing with men. So we see that Jesus has the same dominion and power at the resurrection of Lazarus. And his words reveal the key to entering into that kind of relationship with the Father. So what did he say in John 11? Thank you, Father, for hearing me, for I know that you always hear me. But because of the people standing around, I said it so that they might believe. So here lies the secret of people who have power with God and prevail with men. Father, I know that you hear me always. Jesus left us this example so we may follow in his steps. So what promise did Jesus give to those who love him in John 14? Ask anything in my name, and I will do it. So the beloved is one that's come to believe the love that God has for her, to believe in, trust in, and act upon his word. So she represents God's people who have come to know the Father and to pray in faith to him, knowing that he always hears. So Jesus said, Father, I know that you hear me. This is the confidence that the Beloved also has, and it causes people who look on the Beloved to say, your power with God in prayer crowns you like carmel for you are one who speaks to god and he answers with prayer and he answers with fire you're one that knows that the father hears you then they will want to know him too and so the broads hair is described as majestic as mount carmel and the sheen of your hair radiates royalty the king is held captive by its tresses so we know the hair in the Scriptures represents consecration, separation to God, dedication to the Lord like with the Nazarite vow. So a beloved that is separated unto God and completely dedicated unto him has the potential of captivating the king. And um, Ron's devotional that he sent out this morning, I thought it was so cool because it went along with the victory so perfectly and uh, had the scripture from Hebrews 12:1 through two. Therefore, since we are surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us lay down every weight and the sin that so easily entangles to run the race set before us with endurance keeping our eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. So the devotional said, Is Satan giving you a hard time in your life of faith in the Christian race you're running? Expect it if you are a believing child of God. Satan hates your God. He hates Jesus Christ. He hates your faith. You should be aware of the devil's evil intentions. He wants you to lose the victor's crown in the race that you have entered by faith through grace. When by faith we have entered this lifelong spiritual course, the Holy Spirit whispers, Do you really want to be among the victors in this discipline? And when we breathe our yes, yes, he whispers of ways that will aid us and carry us to certain victory. The Spirit tells us to throw off everything that would hinder us in the race. He tells us to be aware of the little sins and errors that could divert us from the will of God as we run. But here's the important thing. He tells us to keep our eyes on Jesus because he alone is our pace setter and victorious example. So I wanted to have some time to go into worship and um, just just come before the Lord, you and the Lord, and to ask him actually specifically one thing that um, you would like to have a victory in, and then to just throughout the week be praying into that, maybe fasting or journaling, and doing anything he leads you to do as far as that goes. And then next week when we come back and share a little bit more different strategies I guess and principles and then we're going to have a time of worship and you're going to be able to put it into practice and I'm believing that every person is going to have a victory from the Lord so I just wanted to have a time where we just soak in his presence you can come up on your own or if any of the ministry team wants to come up and you want specific prayer you can get prayer and um Just thank everybody for being here and listening. I love you and thank you.
1: The invitation is to ask the Lord to show you a particular area you want to really see tangible manifestation of victory. It could be something I'd met with someone today who said, "Been praying for a long, long time, and we'd been interceding, and there seems to be victory and breakthrough in the family." So, take that tonight, bring it before the throne room, and then pray into it this week—an area and. As we come together again next week, Lord, we're, we're asking petitioning. Prayer has a value of persistence for the outcome. So, Holy Spirit, I ask for revelation. You said in James 1, 6, if any of you lack wisdom, ask the Lord. So, Lord, we come before you tonight and ask for strategic revelation on how to pray. What area of our life are we going to ask you to bring a break in.
2: speak. to you.
1: stand in agreement. Lord, we're believing before the answer that you are the answer. (laughs) So, Lord, we thank you. We're expecting breakthroughs, victories over areas of our life that we're standing in that place of expectant revelation of the goodness of God in the land of the living, making intercession for those, Lord, that are in need of you to come and release power, love, and purpose. So, Lord, I thank you. We stand in the priesthood. We stand as warriors, and we stand as kings. And we thank you, Lord. The bride has special privileges. (laughs) And so, Lord, I thank you. As the bride of Christ, we thank you in advance, Lord. I ask you to show us how to walk in that relationship deeper and deeper and deeper with an assurance, not performance. We love you. and We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thank you, Mary Esther. That was good. Thank you, John and Andrea.